0: Authors on the Air. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm Terry Shepard. Lindy Walker is the national best-selling author of two crime fiction series featuring strong heroines and twisty, absorbing mysteries. Her first... Nichelle Clark crime thriller, Front Page Failty, was nominated for the Agatha Award for Best First Novel and is an Amazon bestseller. In 2018, she introduced readers to Texas Ranger Faith McClellan in Fear No Truth. Reviews have praised her work as well-crafted, compelling, and fast-paced. And I can attest that her writing is an edge-of-your-seat ride with a spiderweb of twists and turns that will keep you reading until the very end. The attention to detail she brings to her tales is the result of something we share in common, a journalism background. She's been an award-winning journalist who covered everything from ribbon cuttings to high-level police corruption. She's worked closely with various law enforcement agencies that she's reported on. Her work has appeared in newspapers and magazines all across the West, the U.S., all across the U.S. Her website is l-y-n-d-e-e, Lindy Walker, dot com. And she shares her love for family, her readers, travel, and coffee in the author's section. Her latest that we're going to talk about today is book number three in the Faith McClellan series, No Sin Unpunished. And here is a delectable taste of the opening stanza. Prologue. Fire is nature's most perfect monster. It haunts, it devours, it terrifies, it cleanses, it reveals. And it can be controlled by those who understand it. Scooping a final, careful shovel of goo into the last tank, he screwed the lid into place and tightened it with a vise. The sharp scent permeated everything in the room, enough to curl a person's nose hairs if they weren't used to it. Foam sheets stacked neatly in one corner. Glass and steel chemical containers sat squat in three piles a few feet away. An industrial cake mixer stood nearby, as tall as he did, next to the workbench. He built a good workshop. Then, he built a good product. He glanced at the TV screen. This Greek warrior led the Myrmidons against the Trojans, Alex Trebek read, as the text appeared on the screen. Who was Achilles? He flipped to the local news and weather. Months of planning, maneuvering, and rearranging had gone into this moment and the gods blessed him. He raised the nozzle over the cast-iron sink and squeezed lightly, a smile playing at the corners of his lips when a perfect fan sprayed from the end, flames springing to life on contact with the metal. Snatching a smaller canister from the counter, he smothered his experiment with thick white foam. Hoses, working. Suits, check. Tanks, full. The weather radar from the local news station flashed across the TV screen. Bands of green, red, and yellow blanketed the outlined counties of the hill country, where a storm stalled overhead. The alarm on his phone beeped. He pulled on one shiny suit, then another, settled fat headphones over his ears, clicked an app on his screen, and waited for the blue dot to appear. The locator spun for a full two minutes, Tiny beads of sweat popped on his forehead. No, 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 no. All the planning would be for shit if this piece didn't work. There, it flashed up, bobbed around, moved in a small circle. He counted to 60, blotting his forehead with a crisp linen handkerchief before he gathered his tools. Every last thing was in place. Go time. Lindy Walker, welcome to Authors on the Air.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Thank you all for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, what an opening stanza. (laughs) They say that it's the blurb, the cover, and the first chapter that make it all. How do you write such great first chapters?
1: Oh my goodness. Um, They are always the ones that give me the most trouble and the most heartburn whether i'm working on the draft or or finishing it up i um I, I labor over those more than i do anything else to make sure that everything is just exactly right and i have to give a shout out here to my editor because he's phenomenal and um very kind about pulling no punches when I, <laughs> when i'm using lazy verbs or he he doesn't think the wording is quite right he will tell me but it always makes it better so
0: it's a team, isn't it? Who is on your team when you craft your product?
1: Um, so my wonderful team at Severn River Publishing, uh, my editor's name is Randall Klein, and um, he is is just incredible. And really, I mean, I know it's my name on the cover, but it takes a whole team of people to, uh, to create a novel and make the book shine. And um, we have uh, Kimberly Charleston with publicity. And... Um, uh, Amber, who runs uh, – she sort of wears all the hats and runs all the everything for scheduling and making sure that things get done on time, which is wonderful when you have someone like me who was used to working in newsrooms on deadline for so many years. So you give me a deadline and tell me it's six months away, and I'm like, oh, I have all the time <laughs> in the world. Like, that's fine. I'll start, start tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden it's tomorrow, and I have to write 30,000 words in a week because <laughs> – I have a book that's due <laughs> but i am getting the hang of it
0: no unpublished is a book that grabs you from page one and doesn't let go into the thank last you. sentence how do you put those stories together
1: thank you oh my goodness um i truly truly am a pantser at heart i i don't ever really know exactly what's going to happen until it happens in the story Um, with this one, I started off with a vague idea about fire because when I was a kid, uh, my favorite uncle was a battalion chief at the little rock fire department in Arkansas. And I used to love going to visit them in the summers. And we'd, uh, you know, I always got to go to the station and visit him when he had to go to work and we'd go camping and he built the best campfires of anybody I've ever known in my whole life. (laughs) And, uh, we would sit around the campfires and he would tell stories About his work, so I kind of hope somewhere he's smiling and and proud of the fact that I used some of the stuff that he taught me when I was a kid when I was working on this book. But it 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 started off with a a vague idea, sort of about fire and revenge, and um, I wanted to get more. I get questions from readers a lot after the first two books in the series. I got a lot of emails from people saying, you know, I'm I'm really really invested in Faith's family and her backstory, and I want to know more about this, and so this one sort of turned into a way to answer a lot of those questions for people through the way the story played out.
0: Faith McClellan is a delectably flawed protagonist in No Sin Unpunished. What building blocks did you use to create her?
1: She actually, so it's a funny, well, I think it's a funny story, so I'm going to share it anyway. Um, (laughs) When I first started writing about Faith, she was a minor character in a book that I thought was going to be a standalone. Um when I first started working on Fear No Truth, which became the first book in the series, it ha- it was different than anything I had ever done before. Um, I, I was working with multiple viewpoints. I was writing in third person, uh, entirely different from my Nichelle series. And it, it started off intended to be a standalone that really centered mostly on the victim and her family. And I kind of had the cop's point of view thrown in there for asides into what was going on in the investigation into this girl's death while you were seeing um you know background information about her from before she died and the events that led up to her death and how it was affecting her family and her friends in the aftermath and um when my agent read it he said you know this is good and and you you've you've done a good job making the switch and there are good characters here but this cop you really have something here with her and I think telling stories from the point of view of strong women really seems to be your forte. So why don't we see if we just pull out these other viewpoints and and leave just the killer and the police officer and let's switch off and have it be kind of a cat and mouse thing, but let's write her from first person because as a reader, I want to know more about what she's thinking when she's in these crime scenes. You know, so he gave me sort of this whole project to go back and do over where I thought I had a finished book. And he basically said, this is great. Take it back and redo it all different. Um, But he was right. Um, He he sort of has a habit of, of doing that. And uh, it, it ended up being a much better book and faith is a really fun character to write about. And the Rangers are a great organization for a series because not a whole lot of people really know a whole lot about what they do. So I think people are curious about what their job entails, but really, in Texas, they run everything you could ever possibly want to write a crime fiction book about. They do bank fraud. They do. Uh, they, they run the state's cold case unit. That, I mean, there's just a, a never-ending stream of story ideas that could conceivably come through their office.
0: Lindy Walker is our special guest of the program today. Lindywalker.com is the website. Without giving away any spoilers, paint a picture of the characters and the world we explore in No Sin Unpunished.
1: Okay, Um, so I'll start with Faith. She is kind of tough as nails. Um, She grew up in a, a sort of a Texas political dynasty. She was the youngest daughter of the former governor who was pretty much raised as a beauty pageant queen to be somebody's trophy wife someday. That was what her parents intended for her. Um, but when she was a teenager, her, her older sister was murdered and she sort of became close with and, and found a, a substitute father figure in one of the rangers who was assigned to her dad's protection detail uh, because her parents were not really a whole lot like what most people expect parents to be when she was growing up and um knowing when her sister's murder went unsolved knowing that she could become a ranger and get to the cold case unit and find out what happened to charity sort of became an overriding motivation for her um so in this book we get to see her solve a different sort of a case Um, she works with her mentor uh in the rangers who she's known since she was a child But she also um, works with the Travis County Sheriff's Deputy, who was her partner when she worked there at the beginning of her law enforcement career. The Rangers isn't, it's not really an organization that you can just walk up and apply and say, okay, I want to work here. There are a lot of steps that law enforcement officers have to go through to get to that level. Um, And then aside from faith, we have uh, Archie Baxter, who is our sort of, sort of grizzled old jaded cop who's been around forever and seen everything and knows somebody who owes him a favor everywhere under the sun. Um
0: very Joseph Wombaugh, you know?
1: <laughs> like the Oracle. I love, I love writing about Archie. He's he is a lot of fun. Um and uh he um sort of took faith under his wing to a certain extent. He wanted her to to be able to do it on her own because he knew that a woman coming in to uh, to this division. The Rangers are an interesting organization in that they didn't have female field agents until the early 1990s. Um, even the FBI had women in the field back in the 30s. And uh, it was it was different with the Rangers. and Richards actually signed an order when she was governor directing them to allow qualified women to be field officers. And I know when I first started writing Fear No Truth, there had still been fewer than 20 to date. So it was kind of an interesting thing in Faith's character for you know motivations like what would make someone put themselves through this why would she want to go do this um but Archie's really fantastic and uh watching his character grow through the course of the series because I sit there and words come in my head and things show up on the screen and I go oh hey that's interesting I didn't know that before um (laughs) but um, and then we have Graham, who is the uh, Travis County deputy, who is Faith's former partner there, and um, he was a, a, a pitcher, talented ball player who, you know, messed up his shoulder, couldn't play ball anymore, studied criminal justice. Um, he was recently promoted to commander at the sheriff's department. I think Faith would like for him to come and work with her at the Department of Public Safety so that they can be around each other all the time, but I'm not really sure yet whether they would drive each other crazy in that scenario if they were back at that constantly. So it's probably a good idea for them to have some separation there. Um, Other characters, we get to know Faith's mother a lot better in this book. Ruth is a very interesting lady to write. She's very cold and proper and um, very much about what's in it for her normally.
0: Not really pleased with Faith's career choice either, right? I mean, she's not happy about that at all.
1: No, she's not. Although I think Faith didn't really understand her mother's reasons for that. She just thought, well, I didn't do what you wanted me to. And this is why you're mad when Ruth has a very hard time showing any sort of emotion. She didn't show a whole lot of emotion when her older daughter was killed, but her younger daughter then deciding to choose a career where she puts her life in danger on a regular basis. It's not been her favorite thing. Um, So... Uh, I think her, her father didn't care for her career choice because he knows how tenacious she can be and he's maybe not the best person who has done things entirely on the up and up for his entire life but also because he was concerned about how it would make him look to him faith was a stepping stone to political national political office possibly that he was not able to attain through his own career. But if he can marry her off to the right person, then perhaps he could still be close to that in the form of a son-in-law.
0: And your bad, your bad perp out there. What can you share about that without giving (gasps) anything away?
1: This is always so hard. So (laughs) the motivation for this character was very difficult to figure out for me because I knew for something like the murders that this person was was perpetrating had the the motive the the antagonists in my books always have to be human and and probably way more fully fleshed out in my head than they appear on the page just because there's so much stuff that I know that it's not necessary to have it be in the book to keep the plots booming fast um but this had to be a deeply personal thing this wasn't just somebody who lost it and decided to go around and start setting things on fire um, and kind of coming up with the backstory and having all of that emerge as I was writing the book was, it was an interesting process that my, uh, actually my seventh grader helped me with my son and I last summer when I was trying to finish this one up, we had a whole afternoon of me pacing back and forth across the living room, throwing out ideas and him saying, I like this one. Well, what if, what if this was the thing that happened? Um, and he is a, a very talented writer in his own right. So that was really fun for me to get to do that with him
0: lindy walker is our special guest on the program her latest is no sin uh, unpunished published by seven river you were a journalist at heart why the switch to writing
1: because i had kids um if you worked in journalism you know the hours are not particularly family friendly a lot of the time um i i mean i had days when i worked um when I found out I was uh, expecting my first child, I worked at a small newspaper where everybody kind of traded off all the hats all the time. And um, sometimes I went to the office at eight o'clock in the morning. And if I had a meeting that ran late or council thing that I was supposed to go cover, I didn't get home until midnight. And so when I found out I was expecting a baby, I thought I'm going to have this kid and I'm never going to see it. Like (laughs) I can't actually keep doing this. and, and it was hard because a lot of what I did was covering the police department and the courts. The last capital murder trial I covered, the victim was a 22-month-old little girl. And I was seven months pregnant by the time it made it to trial. I mean, it, you know, it's a long process. It took 18 months for it to get from the police report landing on my desk to we're sitting in the courthouse listening to arguments. But it was very difficult. to be. I, that was actually kind of what sealed it for me when I told my boss that I was going to quit after the baby was born. He kind of looked at me sideways and said, ah, eh, you'll be back. You love it too much. You're not going anywhere. Um, and being in the courthouse that week, listening to that trial, looking at the, the autopsy photos, I thought I can't do this. I can't, I'm having a hard time keeping my seat and keeping my objectivity now after this baby comes, I can't do this anymore. So I stayed at home with the kids for a few years and I told people that I used to write for a living and I did play group and kept the house and we did preschool and it was great. And then I was loading my dishwasher one day and all of a sudden the show was there and she just kind of popped into my head and she was locked in a car trunk down in Chaco bottom. And I was like, what is this? And it's, it sounds really stupid and hokey, but I swear it's true. I actually said it right out loud to the silverware caddy. I said, I cannot write a whole book. I don't know anything about writing fiction, but I didn't have anything else to do while my oldest was at preschool and my little one was napping during the day and I had a laptop. So I started writing the story as it came into my head. I guess that's probably why I still do it that way. Cause that's how I learned how to do it. Um,
0: Inverted and, pyramid though is very different than fiction. How did you learn the craft?
1: It is. Oh, and it was, I still have a copy of the first draft of Front Page Fatality somewhere in this house. Because
0: you it, haven't buried it in the backyard, huh?
1: <laughs> it's, it's terrible. And um, <laughs> They all and are. <laughs> if, anybody, if anybody is listening, if you like my books and you, you think you want to try to write fiction, but there's no way that you can do it, I'm here to tell you, you can learn. Because if I did it, you can do it. Um, I mean, yes, I had a background in journalism, but Terry's right. It is very, very different. And I started off thinking I could use all the words that I wasn't allowed to use when I was reporting. And it was all very flowery, purple prose and 25 <laughs> adjectives and adverbs describing all the everything in the whole book. And, um, I, and I made every rookie mistake that they tell you not to make. I started off with Nichelle looking at herself in a mirror and describing herself and think the original opening scene was maybe that she was out for a run like contemplating her life I mean it's every trite thing that they say you're not supposed to do and once I had a whole manuscript there and there was a story and there were these characters that I found interesting and I've always been a big reader um I started researching and learning about craft I read books on craft um the first five pages was one of my favorite ones, and I think that's probably why my first chapters are still such a big deal to me today, um, but I, I learned that these are the things you're not supposed to do, and I spent, I, it took me longer, I spent way longer revising and cutting and moving stuff around and changing things in that book than I did writing the rough draft, um, and it took some perseverance, but it turned into something that people actually wanted to read, and it even got nominated for an Agatha, which was, an extreme shock, but um, you know, and people still say nice things about it. I still get emails from readers asking for more books in that series, which I'm very thankful for. So,
0: Lindy Walker is our special guest. (laughs) LindyWalker.com is the website, and her new one is the Unputdownable No Sin Unpublished. In 2013, you told the Myth Behaving Podcast, my biggest goal every time I sit down and start a new manuscript is to have it be better than the one before it. How do you do that?
1: Every time. Um, so I'll tell you that piece of advice I actually got from Harlan Coben. The very first mystery conference I ever went to, he was there and I happened to bump into him at the bar. And I turned around and my eyes got about this big, and I went, "Uh, Oh my gosh. And he's he's the nicest guy. He's I smiled, stuck out his hand, said, Hi, I'm Harlan. It's nice to meet you. And I went. I'm a little starstruck, but I'm going to be okay in just a minute. If you'll just give me a second. And he said, starstruck. And he started looking around. He was like, George Clooney here? Like, you can't be talking about me. And just the nicest guy. And we chatted for a few minutes. And he got very excited when I told him my first book had just come out. And he said, oh, I love giving advice to new writers. Because I've been doing this for a long time. You know, you want my best advice. And I said, I am listening. And he said, write a better book next time than you did last time. If you want to build a career in this, that's the way you do it. Write a better book next time. Don't pay attention to anything else except improving every time for your readers. And I really took it to heart. Like came home and wrote it down on paper, hung it over my computer. And that's still, I just finished my 12th full-length novel, and I'm getting ready to turn that in at the end of this month. And it's still my mission every time to find a way to challenge myself to make this one better than the one that came before it.
0: What does Harlan think about the stuff you've created?
1: Uh, <laughs> I doubt he remembers who I am. <laughs> um, but he made such a huge impression on me that evening, just because for for somebody that's that big a celebrity to take time out of their evening to talk to a brand new writer that nobody's ever heard of just because he was being nice, it was just phenomenal to me. I mean, I started off reading his Baltar books when I was in college and just have loved his work forever. And so it was kind of like getting to meet a movie star, to me, um, to have him sit and give me advice. Like my husband uh, has always been really into music and he plays the guitar and I was like, imagine if you went somewhere and Dave Grohl was there and he said, let me show you these chords. Like, this is the level of how excited I am that this happened. Um, That's the
0: craft though. I mean, our community is so supportive. I can't tell you how many authors I've talked to or how many I've met that were just as forthcoming.
1: Yes. every That's one of the, I actually was all over Twitter yesterday talking about the fact that I love our crime fiction community because everyone is so supportive of everyone else. I try to be very cognizant of, you know, even where I am being able to help when I can help somebody else who's just starting out or offer encouraging words to writers who want to figure out how to get into the business. It's, you know, I, other people did it for me and I'm so appreciative of it. And I love, being able to pay it forward where we can
0: no sin unpublished as a five-star hit on amazon why do you think the story resonates with readers
1: um i think that readers who have read the rest of the series probably really appreciate the deeper insight into faith's life and her family um i try very hard to develop my characters over the course of the series i don't like for them to just sit and be the same in every book um And so I think the development of the characters, the relationships, the backstory is what keeps people reading a series. For me as a reader, a great mystery and characters that I'm interested in will pull me into a first book. They will get me to buy the second book. By the end of the third book, if I'm not invested in those people and I don't want to go back and visit with them, then I'm probably going to be out. And so I try really hard to have my, as much as everybody... (laughs) has a tendency to talk about the plots in my books. I, I try to make them character driven because I want readers to want to come back and visit those characters and see what's happening to them. Um, so hopefully that's what people are enjoying the most about it.
0: How do you engage with your audience?
1: I spend most of my social media engagement time on Facebook. Um, I My daughter says that I'm too, she doesn't say I'm too old. I say I'm too old. She says, I don't understand Instagram. Um, and, um, uh, and Twitter kind of scares me a little bit on some levels because it's so much coming at you so fast. I feel like it's sort of like standing in a room full of people who are shouting. Um, I feel like that's probably also because I don't really know how to work all the features that it has. Um, but I, I spend most of my time on Facebook. Um, I post stuff. I try very hard when people send messages or leave comments to go and reply to everything personally. I do that with my email, too. When readers email me, I try very, very hard to make sure that I respond. Sometimes it takes me a while if I'm in the middle of, you know, if I have a deadline coming up or if there are revisions going on or I have a lot of things going on in life. But I do flag every single email that comes into that account and try very hard to answer it personally.
0: Lindy Walker is our special guest on the program today. LindyWalker.com is the website. No Sin Unpunished is her five-star Amazon hit What's the most touching response you've had to something you've written?
1: Oh, always the people that, it never occurred to me when I first started writing about Nichelle that anybody else was ever going to read it. Um, and now every once in a while, I mean, I love every email that I get from every reader and all of the messages that people send me telling me that they've enjoyed the books. Really, you guys have no idea how much they mean to writers. I don't think, I don't think readers really understand how much them taking the time to just sit down and type out a note and send a quick email that says, Hey, I really loved this, especially over the course of the last year. Like I did a lot of struggling when I was sick last spring with, you know, it, it, does what I do really matter to people <laughs> in, the, in the middle of a global pandemic? When we had so much going on in the larger world, was anybody really going to care if I finished this book? And it was the emails from the readers that got me to start working on it again when I got better. But I've had a few over the years. Um, One woman who wrote me to tell me that the Nichelle books got her through chemo when she had breast cancer. She said she only read on her Kindle when she was sitting in the chair getting the infusions. And so she, she looked forward to catching up with the characters and reading the books. And another lady who uh, wrote me to tell me that her daughter, she lost her daughter. Her daughter had passed away and the books gave her an escape from reality and let her not think about that. And I just can't, like I'm going to tear up sitting here talking about this. It's okay. This
0: is radio. You can do that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible to me that stories that I made up can, could be helpful to people in that way. It was something that I didn't ever consider. And they, those always get to me. Like I sit in front of my computer and ball, and then I try to write a note back that makes some sort of sense to tell them thank you for letting me know that and how sorry I am for the hardship that they're going through. But
0: Well, you know, if, if our purpose in the world is to alleviate suffering and the one metric we have every day is how well we've done it, it sounds like you've done a pretty good job in that space, Lindy.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It makes it feel worthwhile for sure. <laughs>
0: Just for a minute, I want to talk about journalism. When did you start and what's the first thing you covered?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, When I was in high school, I guess, was when I started. that I I wanted to be a lawyer until um, I got an invitation to join the school newspaper staff because my health teacher had passed along a paper that I wrote for her class to the journalism teacher. And it just... Almost immediately clicked. I can't remember very many of the stories that I did that first year. I do remember a new faculty member profile that I got assigned to write a feature story about um, he I want to say history, I might be wrong, but he was one of our football coaches and his name was Rick Nolly. and he was just the best guy. And he had this great story about how he and his wife had been high school sweethearts and then lost touch for years and years. And they bumped into each other at a gas station and picked up and started dating again. I will never forget it. And um, writing that story about him, I just had, I had so much fun listening to his story and then going back into the newsroom and putting it together in pieces to make it, readable and entertaining. And I thought, this is what I want to do. Like I can write all day and I can get paid for it and I get to meet interesting people. Um, and it was my dream job for a long time, but it, that profile on coach Nolly was the jumping off point. I think,
0: you know, the trope is that journalists and cops are among the most cynical people in the world. Cause everybody lies to them all the time. How did you avoid being coming a, becoming a cynic when you were working as a journalist?
1: goodness um i got good at spotting when people were lying to me i have a very good radar for that now which my children do not appreciate
0: (laughs) great Uh, great parenting (laughs) training i love it
1: (laughs) but it is um i think i've always sort of had this inherent just trust in other people until i'm proven wrong and i was like that even when i was reporting i i trusted That everybody was working with honorable intentions and doing what they should be doing in their positions for the good of the community until they did something that proved that wrong. And then I was kind of like Nichelle. I didn't give up on digging until I had the whole story. And because I, it was almost, I guess maybe because I, I wasn't super cynical, it was almost offensive to me that they had been, Less than honest, that they had done things that they shouldn't do, that they had abused power, whatever. Um, so I was, uh, I was very determined in uncovering facts and finding ways to figure out what the truth actually was behind whatever the official story was.
0: Well, lindy you're now at the bar at Bouchercon, and Terry Shepherd comes up to you as this young, first-time author, and says, "You're my heroine. You're my rock star. What can I do to become like you? What advice would you give to an aspiring author?"
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, after I uh, probably stopped crying with all that, I would, um, I would say the first thing is you don't give up. I, this business is a long road for every single person that you see all over Amazon, that you see all over Barnes & Noble's website. Very few of those people that are overnight success debuts actually are overnight success debuts. Most, most of those writers have worked for years, and it's the constant honing their craft and not giving up that gets them where they are. I have been in this business for long enough to experience it myself, to see it in my friends, people who hang in there and are persistent enough to really go after it are the ones that end up being successful with it. Um, and you, you must develop a thick skin and you cannot take criticism personally. Um, I don't know a single agent who wants to work with a writer who's going to be super precious about every word in their manuscript. That's not how the business works. What you have to be able to do is create the work and then take a step back from it and view it as a product. Because then everybody at the agency, everybody at the publishing house, everybody's goal is to deliver the best book that you can to the readers, but the book is a product. It's not you bearing your soul anymore. And there has to be a way to create a a separation zone there so that you don't get your feelings hurt when they say, we want to take this out. We need to change this. Let's move this over here.
0: You know, when we're out of the promotion window for No Sin Unpunished, I want to get you back and do a real deep dive into that whole process of how you, you know, got the idea, the mistakes you made and how you became published and how you ultimately became successful. But as for now, give us the uh, connection information. How can people find you on social media and what's your favorite way to talk to them?
1: (laughs) Um, okay. So Facebook is definitely the one that I'm on the most. Um, and I'm, fa- it's Facebook, uh, slash Lindy Walker books. And, uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Lindy Walker. I do get notifications when people mention me on there. So I will go on and answer when I see those pop up.
0: You're fast. Uh, you, you hit me real quick after I posted about our interview today.
1: <laughs> That's great. And, uh, Instagram, I think is also Lindy Walker books. And that, I think that's all of them. I don't think I have an account anywhere else.
0: (laughs) And you do all that yourself or do you hand any of that off to anybody else?
1: I, I do all the social media stuff myself. So, um, I have had people advise me to hire an assistant to, to handle that stuff. And I think I probably should, I might end up doing that someday, but for right now, I feel like the personal interaction with the readers is important to me. If it it reaches a point where I'm struggling to meet deadlines because I'm spending so much time on that, then, you know, if I have to pick the books or doing that myself, I will get someone to help with it, at least. But for right now, I'm managing to keep all the plates spinning.
0: Our reporters' noses can sniff out a Twitter identity that's not handled by the real person, can't we? I mean, you can see that instantly. Yes.
1: (laughs) So, so the last and question I understand it I do i I mean you know if I had to pick between writing my books and and doing social media, I would pick the books all day long, and I hope most readers would appreciate that but
0: The last question I ask every guest on the program, Lindy, is this one: If you could give your sixteen year old self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Oh my um <laughs> to. I think, I don't think I would tell her to do anything differently. I I'm understand that I'm very blessed and happy with my life. And who knows if I had picked door A instead of door B at any point, what would have been different? I would tell her to relax and calm down because it's all going to work out. And she's going to, she's going to get to a point where, she has a beautiful family and a lovely home and a great career. And she doesn't need to be so nervous and worried.
0: A wonderful conversation with Lindy Walker. The book is No Sin Unpunished, available wherever cool books are sold. Go grab it on Amazon. If you are a Kindle Unlimited member, you can read that as part of your subscription subscription. And that's what I did until 3 a.m. this morning. L Y N D E E W A L K E R L-Y-N-D-E-E-W-A-L-K-E-R.com is the website. Thank you so much for joining us on the program today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. This was great.
0: Authors on the Air can be found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. We invite you to explore the many other podcasts that focus on the craft aggregated at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Our theme music was written by Pablo Butorin. I'm Terry Shepard, and I'll see you in the next chapter.